It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome to Creative Control with Joe Feeney. This is episode 46, and our guest today is ECW Triple Crown winner Mikey Whipwreck. Um, it's, a, it's a fun conversation with Mikey. We get into a lot of different stuff. Uh, hopefully we'll have a part two coming because there was a lot I didn't get to. The hour went pretty fast, but we do cover a lot of different things. We cover how he got into business uh, in ECW uh, thanks to a... He was ring crew, and I'll you know let him tell the story. It's pretty funny that he goes from uh, a fan to world champion within a couple of years. It's I, I like Mikey's story. I like Mikey a lot. I was watching some of his matches last night after I spoke to him just to refresh my memory. And if you have the WWE Network, go back and watch uh, Mikey's match against Kidman at WCW Uncensored 99. I know it's kind of like an unrecognized classic opener. You know, People really enjoyed the match at the time, and then you know it kind of went nowhere for Mikey, which through no fault of his own, but it's a fun match. Uh, Bobby Heenan's commentary is pretty pretty funny, too. And, uh, you know, there's more. You know, you go on the network, you can see him against Steve Austin. You can see some matches uh, all over ECW television with him against guys like Van Damme, Dreamer, Lance Storm, Shane Douglas, and, you know, the plethora of the ECW guys, all of them. And uh, so, of course, we talk ECW, we talk WCW, we talk about some of his dealings with WWE in the years uh, since ECW's closure. Uh, we talk about TNA, his appearance there, and uh, why he did not return for the uh, Hardcore Justice uh, ECW reunion pay-per-view in 2010. A little bit about Ring of Honor, and uh, we, we just cover a lot. We cover um, his time as uh, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack's tag team partner, and how much respect and everything he had for Mick, how that was kind of a dream come true for him. And like I said, it's a good talk. There's a lot more I want to cover with Mikey, and hopefully we'll have him back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we have... A new sponsor on Creative Control. Believe it or not, someone is sponsoring this podcast. Um, so, following in the tradition of all these crates and boxes and everything that are out there now, you can get makeup crates if you're a woman or a man who enjoys makeup. You can get uh, comic book type crates, movies, whatever. They're all out there. You can find them. In this case, it's a pro wrestling themed crate. And if you go to prowrestlingloot.com, you will get a monthly crate. Uh, of all kinds of wrestling goodies. Uh, I've seen autographed pictures, DVDs, masks, action figures, 
uh, you know, pendants, necklace type things, T-shirts. And uh, it looks to me like you get a good five to six items a month, maybe more. And uh, I'm waiting on my first uh, crate, actually. So I'll review that when I do get it so my listeners know what to uh, expect if they do decide to sign up. And if you do, go to ProWrestlingNoot.com and use the code CREATIVE. Simple as hell there, CREATIVE. And you get 10% off. So why not give it a try if you're a wrestling fan and you like getting that little surprise uh, once a month, you know, coming in the mail. You don't know what you're going to get. Could be an awesome DVD. Could be a really horrendous looking, you know, Dolph Ziggler t-shirt or something like that. But what can you do? So, yeah, that's ProWrestlingLoot.com. The code is creative and 10% off, so you can't beat that. What else? What else? What else should I plug today? Well, right after I get rid of my plugs here, you're going to hear a little word from our previous guest last week, Vince Russo. Vince bringing the listens. Uh, I haven't checked lately, but I know that just from Friday to Monday, we got about 18,000 listens and downloads, which is pretty crazy for a amateur podcast uh, just run by myself with no experience. So, you know, I'm sure some of the listeners realize that uh, because of the quality of some of the episodes, but um, I'm learning as I go. But yeah, a lot of listens from Vince, so he's going to um, talk to you real quick next about uh, the brand uh, and the Realm Network, and uh, that'll be right after I shill for Working Stiff, which is a book of pro wrestling stories, art, comics, poetry even. Uh, it's called the Pro Wrestling Anthology. My buddy Josh Olson put it together, and I myself have a short story in it called It's All Fake. So if you go to Amazon and search for Working Stiff, and usually you put in the word wrestling, the book will come right up. There's other Working Stiff books, and there's a book called Stiff about uh, working with corpses, which if, again, maybe like pro wrestling and corpses, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, if you search for Working Stiff, you'll you'll find the book there. I think it's, you know, seventeen ninety nine. If you have Prime, you get it in two days. It's a good book. You know, my uh, vulgar story notwithstanding, there's some good stuff in there for some talented writers. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter and follow Creative Control and keep up with the updates of who's coming up on the show and, you know, quickly get the uh, episodes when they're released, the links to them, twitter.com slash jffeeney3, uh, facebook.com slash creativecontroljoefeeney, J-O-E-F-E-E-N-E-Y. And if you want to, for some reason, uh, come out and uh, meet me and talk about the podcast and check out some t-shirts. Uh, I'm also going to have copies of Working Stiff as well as some uh, rare action figures for sale. I will be at the Icons of Pro Wrestling Collector Fest at the ECW Arena. That is April 16th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, and it will be prior to Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore show. And I believe I am all shilled out now. So coming up next, again, uh, part one, hopefully, of our interviews with Mikey Whipwreck. So stay tuned for that. Thank you. Yo, this is Vince Russo, and I'm here to talk about my favorite show, Creative Control, and my favorite host, Joe Feeney. You can find the show on iTunes, the show that was nominated for show of the year last year, but got absolutely screwed. But I guarantee you that ain't going to happen this year. And speaking of good shows, you might want to check out Vince Russo's The Brand. You get two new interviews every week, and six days of video podcasting. Check it out. Just go to VinceRussoBrand.com.
Hello everyone and welcome to Creative Control with Joe Feeney. This is episode 46 and my guest today is former ECW Triple Crown winner, Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey, how you doing tonight? What's up, man? Episode 46. What, yeah. what, what the fuck took you so long? <laughs> well, you know what? I reached out to you last fall and then the show went on a little hiatus, but as soon as I brought it back uh, this past uh, couple of weeks, you were one of the first guys I reached <laughs> out to. So, <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, I try not to, to stick with the normal, regular questions that you hear, but uh, I do I do have to start at the beginning with you here because you had such an interesting uh, introduction to the business. If you could uh, tell listeners a little bit about how uh, you were discovered um, working for ECW. Well, I was just doing ring crew, and, uh, you know, after, uh, after we get the ring set up and stuff, we kind of you know, test it. You know, we run some high spots, test ropes, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was messing around with buddy Craig. Uh, Craig and I were just messing around, and I think it was like a backflip off the top rope, landing my feet or something. Just, just, just fucking around, and uh, Joey Styles got Paulie, and Paulie saw me. He goes, "Hey, you want to wrestle?" And I said, um, "Okay." <laughs> and that was it. Never had any, uh, you know, official official training. Just kind of, you know, I'd help out at the school my buddy was going to. You know, I get to, you know, just work out for free if I, you know, clean shit like that. So it was kind of one of those. For the moment, things. So, <laughs> how is never, the, uh... never never thought in a million years I'd make it in the business being you know, you know, five foot nine, you know, one hundred and eighty pounds back then. That's awesome hearing you say hey, a little bit more now. Saying hey, it was kind of spur of the moment, and then you wind up a world champion. You know, that's that's pretty funny. <laughs> I had 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 no gear, nothing. That that dragon shirt was just uh, just a ba- uh, shirt I had in my bag, <laughs> and I bought a pair of shorts and Bobby Allen. That was it. I wore tennis. Ten- I wore tennis shoes. Uh, my first, my first match. <laughs> I had nothing to wear. Now you mentioned around that time, uh, spending a little bit of time at the ECW school, which was the House of Hardcore, and uh, Taz was in there as a trainer, and uh, Perry Saturn at the time, I believe. Um, what were your experiences yeah. like at the school? Well, see, the, the, the House of Hardcore school that that came after like ninety ninety six, maybe. Okay. So late ninety five, ninety six. This is just um, back like ninety two. Uh, a guy, Sonny Blaze, who just kind of did jobs for WWF. Right. Um, back in the day, it was just his his gym. You know, he didn't really have. It was a little boxing gym, and he rented a corner out uh, for the ring. You know, and I think that's where uh, Bubber W started. Um, started there, so it was just kind of. I didn't know anything about wrestling. You know, I, I knew. You know, I kind of knew there was something to it. Like it wasn't all uh, on the up and up. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, going down to uh, the school there, and it's kind of, you know, Sonny Blaze meeting him was like, oh, my God, we're meeting a real wrestler. You know what I mean? Realizing it's Sonny Blaze, and you, you tell somebody Sonny Blaze, and like, who the fuck is Sonny Blaze? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but for me, it was like the coolest thing in the world. Like, oh, we're meeting a real pro. Right. You know, and he kind of, he taught us, basically he taught us work to left. It's, it's really all he taught us. You know, and say, say hello to everybody in the locker room. Come in, you know, keep your, your ears open and your mouth shut. Right. And that's kind of when he taught us. But, you know, it was just me and my buddies. You know, so it wasn't like a, a hazing thing. I didn't get scratched or beat up or anything. It was just one of those things. But when I got later on, after I was already working, and then got to Taz and Perry, that's when the, <laughs> the stretching started. Right. So, um, do you remember? Oh, you probably sure you do. Who did you uh, wind up wrestling first, you know, under the ECW banner? Mr. Hughes. Mr. Hughes. Oh, boy. Yeah, funny, funny story. I, I didn't know what my name was. My real name's John, you know what I mean? Yes. So I said, okay, you want to wrestle? I said, okay. 
like, okay, uh, you're going to wrestle Mr. Hughes, you're going to wrestle uh, Taz and Kevin Sullivan and maybe somebody else, and Johnny Granger, I don't remember. And uh, I said, okay, but it was TV, so there was like 30 matches. You know, and Curtis had about three different matches, and I didn't know who the, what the fuck my name was. I didn't know anybody. The fact that, you know, the stars that were there, yeah. but the job guys, I didn't know any of them. You know what I mean? So I didn't know anything. And uh, sitting there, Curtis goes to me, hey, boy, you take a sidewalk slam? I go, yes, sir. You going to jump real high? I said, yes, sir. Okay, good. That's all he said. So I said, okay, sidewalk slam. Okay, I can take that. I've seen it on TV many times, so just, just, just jump real high, like you said. So I'm sitting there, and, you know, the, the, the time comes, and he goes, Mikey, go to the ring. I'm just sitting there, you know. <laughs> Mikey, go to the ring. I'm looking around, this, this, guy, this guy, Mikey, better get to the fucking ring. He's like, Mikey, get to the fucking ring. I'm looking at this guy, Mikey's a fucking shit. Mikey, Whitbrick, go to the goddamn fucking ring. And I'm looking around going, and this guy, Mikey, is in deep shit. Well, here comes Paulie with the Paulie walk. He goes, are you going to go to the fucking ring? I go, why? He goes, you're Mikey Whipwreck. I go, oh, fuck. So I'm walking to the ring, first match ever going, I'm in the business five minutes, I'm already in trouble. Uh, since you were there since, you know, the beginning, uh, with, you know, a little break uh, in the late 90s and then towards the end of ECW, um, from the beginning, did you see it, you know, growing into the kind of, like, um, cult, deal that it was with with the really hardcore fans and the kind of, um, it was, you know, well-renowned on the internet and things like that. Did you see it growing in the way it was going to, or did it just kind of seem like a regular independent type federation when you first started? Uh, you could see it little by little. And, you know, first it was like a cool thing we did, you know what I mean? Like every couple of weeks, you know, in Philly, we do, you know, uh, we do the big show on Friday night and then we do TV on, on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. And then, uh, you can kind of see it getting, starting to get that, that nudge. You start to get a little more and more mentions uh, in the magazine, stuff like that. And you'll start to get a little more and more credibility each time. But you can kind of see it as you go up through it. It's like, man, this is cool. We had that little engine that could. You know what I mean? Guys that were rejected by WWE and uh, WCW and other guys just never made it right. anywhere. You know, that's that Paul pushed us all. It was just a really cool time, man. Was uh was it a big deal back then uh, for guys to to read the sheets and see their names in it and things like that or was that not not uh, you know that much worried about? Well, for, I never really knew about the dirt sheets until I got there and I saw uh, who the hell did I see? Well, the guys were reading one. They go, they go, what's that? They go, oh, it's the Observer. They go, what the fuck's the Observer? They go, Dave Meltzer's thing. I'm like, oh, I don't know what the fuck that is. In fact, I I I met Dave Meltzer when we did that uh, that Endeavor tournament. Right. Which Shane Douglas threw the belt down? Yes. And Paulie, hey, Mike, you stayed melted. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? I just thought it was Paulie's friend. I had no idea who the fuck it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? So after I, I saw somebody reading, I go, oh, it's, it's you know, the, one of the dirt sheets. I go, oh, you go one of the fucking rags. I go, what are you t- I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, I said, oh, it's, you know, how does this guy know all this shit? And somebody goes, oh, Paulie tells him. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So going up and down the roads with ECW, I mean, you know, of course, Philly to this day still has the crazy reputation as being a, a hard crowd to work in front of and a, you know, crazy atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, in your experience on the road with ECW, what other towns were kind of uh, crazy like that? And what, what towns were the most fun to go to as well? Queen, New York City was always fun. Right. They were always, uh, you know, good to go. Um, Chicago's a good town. Uh, the people up in, in, in Boston were always cool, too. You know, Florida, everywhere we went to, it was always good crowds, you know. 
But it was, uh, you know, but Philly, New York City, um, Boston, they were the ones that really had the, the kind of rabid type nature to it. Pittsburgh was good. Yeah, they, even when they still, uh, when they were still doing the extreme rising stuff, they still drew a big house in Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh's still hungry for it, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're just good wrestling towns in general. You know, what I mean, the towns that are, you know are famous for being good wrestling towns were, were the towns that always were always the best. Right. You know, you go to somewhere not to insult bumfuck Arkansas, but you go somewhere <laughs> bumfuck Arkansas. Yeah, that's okay, but you know, it's not New York City or Chicago or Philly. I always uh, I always tell my wife Des Moines like if we're watching if I have Raw and she comes in and she's like oh the crowd's kind of quiet I'm like yeah they're probably in Des Moines or something I don't know where they are you know <laughs> but um, well that's, some of that's some of that is um, um you know induced by the product that's true too <laughs> um you know one of the one of the more famous things that you're known for during that time period of the '90s is that you were you know eventually teaming up with Cactus Jack came out as a surprise and everything like that. Um, Talk a little bit about yep. your memories of that time, your first uh, time uh, pairing with Cactus Jack when you guys won the won the ECW tag titles. I thought it was a rib. <laughs> Everybody knew that, like Cactus Jack. I was like a huge Cactus Jack fan, right. you know what I mean? And um, Cactus was supposed to team with Terry Funk, and something happened where Terry wasn't coming or, or whatever the deal was. And I was I was leaving the hotel, and Todd Gordon was getting out of the elevator. He goes, "Hey, champ!" I go, "Hey, what's up?" He's like. Oh, you know, you ready for tonight? I go, I'm not doing anything, so I, I'm just here, you know, for, you know, TV tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, you're, you're, you're working tonight. I go, oh, what am I doing? So you're, you're going to team with Cactus against Public Enemy. I go, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty fucking funny. And he's like, no, seriously. I go, okay, Todd. And that's what Cactus later, he goes, Mikey, are you ready? I go, for what? He goes, your team with, I go, come on, not you two. He's like, I'm telling you. He goes, Terry Funk isn't coming, and you're going to replace Terry Funk. I go, no, I know you're full of shit. He goes, why? I go, I'm going to replace Terry Funk. Yeah, okay. I replaced Terry Funk. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, that was a, I remember that. Paul, he said, Paul, Paul, yeah, Paul said, he goes, the only person we could put in there to replace Terry Funk would be you. I go, why? He goes, because you're so unexpected. It's just one of those things. Yeah. And it, he goes, I mean, not because you're Terry Funk or because you're anywhere near the credibility of Terry Funk. He goes, it's just because it's you. I go, okay, if you say so. And it worked. Yeah, and it was, it was. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 
huge reaction. They played it on the intro of the show, you know, for a long time. Yeah. And around that time, uh, you know, they started, you know, you you won the tag title and then you were, you know, wrestling for the television belt. And they started to, you know, give you more offense and give you more wins and, and stuff like that. And I remember around that time you had that really vicious ladder match with the Sandman where, again, that was, those highlights played forever and you guys were not, you were swinging that ladder, you know, and to this day it stands up as, as just a very violent, very stiff match. Um how do you prepare for a match like that where you know you, you're going to go in there with a guy and you know that it's it's basically a code between the both of you? It's like, we're really going to swing for the fences tonight. I mean, how do you how do you get ready to step into the ring for something like that? There was no code. It was just a Sandman. It was just a Sandman. <laughs> and drunk. No, it's just, you know, that's that's just how we were. It was just everybody, you know, yeah. every match. You know, no matter what you're doing, you kind of knew, okay, well, this is, you know, this is ECW. This is kind of how we do it. You know, it, it, it was... It wasn't pleasurable, <laughs> you know, but it was, it wasn't terrible either because you, know, you kind of get that rush, yeah, yeah, you know, which kind of, you know, you get that adrenaline rush, but kind of push the pain to the wayside for a little bit, you know, so it was, it was always really cool. The chain shot, the cane, uh, the cane shot sucked, but, uh, you know, the overall, you know, just kind of how it was and you kind of knew what you were going to get and he didn't mind taking it back. So that being said, when I got to actually work later on with, with just incredible and Lance, yeah. Uh, Last Storm and Jerry Lynn, where we like the fake click. That was the fourth. We called us the fake click. <laughs> and so, like, you don't need to hit me. You don't need to hit me. Yeah. I will fall down. And I'll stay there until you pick me up if need be. So. <laughs> what, were, um, what were your memories of winning that ECW World Championship? That was awesome. Another thing I thought was bullshit. Yeah. You know, you're going to win the belt. And I go, I, go, I just lost to Stevie Richards the, last night. <laughs> I said, put him clean over the middle. He goes, he goes yes, that's to throw everybody off. What? It's okay. You say so, and then yeah, that was the finish. I go, gotta be kidding me. <laughs> it was awesome. Not to be like a mark, but I am a mark because I'm a wrestling fan. That's why everybody gets into the business. Sure. But yeah, it was awesome. It was just cool, especially in Philadelphia, like me. You know what I mean? With, with the character I was playing, with the uh, you know, the whiny little I suck wrestling school dropout. Yeah. That character with that whiny voice, which is the complete fucking opposite of me. Yeah. You know, if if, if you know me, it's not me at all. You know, it was very difficult to, to portray that, but uh, yeah, that no, was great. Uh, of course, you know, Hack now... was great. I mean, he he was, you know, not the corruption, but Hack no, was fair. Hack was great. He was stiff and he was kind of sloppy at times, but he really had a great mind for putting stuff together. You know, and, and it was you know just the way his character was. It's it just he could suck because he was just a drunk guy. Yeah, you know, people see that now. I mean, when you see uh, interviews with Sam and Hack, or, or um, you know, he he does sometimes uh, the the kayfabe commentaries. He'll do like a timeline of a full year of ECW, and he'll go over his ideas yeah. for everyone throughout that year and everything. And you know, people are always surprised, like, "Oh, I didn't know he was so smart and stuff." And he, he always he always comes across that way, like having that great mind for the business. Yeah, always did. You know, and you couldn't really tell, you know, because he was the character, but that was just being drunk. But he really did. He really did have a good mind for it. Now, another uh, famous moment around that time, Fall 95, which has now been, you know, immortalized in the new WWE video game, WWE uh, 2K16, is uh, your dealings with Steve Austin. Uh, you know, you were the defending champion, and you had a match with Steve and another uh, triangle match with Steve and the Sandman. Uh, how was it working with yeah. uh, with uh, Steve Austin at that time? He was coming coming in, coming off an injury and a firing, and uh, kind of had a little, you know, fire under his ass and everything to try to uh, make a statement. How was it working with Steve? Oh, he was great. You know, it was like, you know, his idea to work with me, his idea to put me over, 
and it was just great, you know. And and going with him, he didn't call anything. He called uh, for the finish. He called the finish. That's all he called in the back. Very similar to Curtis Hughes, you know, a year earlier. But it was just, it was always very just going from Sandman who would call everything from A to Z, like every point in between, you know, like a cadence. Look at her, one, two, three, turn to me, four, five, six, turn back. Like very, very like that. Yeah. Like very, this is how he wants it. This is every step you're going to do in between, you know. And then Steve goes, all right, kid, since I flip the tights, be out there. I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that's it. He goes, we're gonna, you know, he kind of did that whole, you know, where he did ramble off a bunch of things and people go, what? He kind of did that. We're going to do some chairs. We'll do some tables. We'll do some barbed wire. We'll do some fire. I go, what? He was like, no, we're not doing any of that. We're not doing any of that. I said, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, he, well, we go out there and we're, we're, he's got this problem. He's telling me to get out of the ring. I'm thinking, do I should I get out of the ring? Should I not get out of the ring? Like, I'm not really sure. Like, he told me to get out. I'm going, is he serious telling me to go out? Is her just being like a character telling me to get out? Like, I'm not really sure. And then he came and jumped me. Mm. <laughs> and then he starts to start firing up. And then uh, I just remember, he, he, it was his first match back. This is Twitter's tricep. And he blew up. And he goes, I'm blowing this shit. And he's punching the shit out of me on the floor. I guess the guard around. I'm just like, holy fuck, he's killing me. <laughs> Almost made me long for the Sandman a bit. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was just, I'm like, oh, God, Steve Austin's punching me. I'm loving it. You know what I mean? It's one of those, this hurts, but this is cool. This is great. You know? And then, you know, he's beating me up. And then I, he, he told me to reverse it and take over. And I had no idea what the fuck to do. Cause I went from being the Sandman. Yeah. I see everybody who kind of tell me what to do, do the matches. And then Steve told me reverse take over. I had, I do, I have no idea what to do. Mm. I reverse him to the guardrail. I think I started punching him. I didn't know what the fuck to do. I'm like, I, I, I had no idea. And they just they just cut me off, but I was like so like intimidated and so like uh, inexperienced in, in in doing stuff on the fly. Right. I was like I, I totally froze. Have you seen uh, Have you seen the but, video game? Are you a video game guy? Have you Have you checked that out at all? Where Where you know your characters in it and they have a whole kind of uh, scenario where you play as Steve against yourself. I've seen the paycheck. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I haven't. Uh, I've, seen, I've, I've seen screenshots of the game and stuff, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't played it or anything. Okay. But uh, no, it's pretty cool. Again, Steve Austin, yet again, twenty years later, getting your payday, putting me over. So he's a good guy, man. Just real cool shit. Hasn't changed a bit. Uh, shortly thereafter, in the spring, um, Cactus was leaving for WWF, and um, they had you in there wrestling his last match with him at the East W Arena. Uh, before he did his uh, famous uh, strut out of the East W Arena, which is still one of the great uh, exits from a company. Um, yeah. What are your memories yeah. of that match? Because that was another another real, uh, you know, stiff match, or, or so it, so it looked to me anyway. Stiff, but it was Cactus Jack. Yeah. And, you know, being such a huge, you know, fan of mix, I was just like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And, you know, he's hitting me. I didn't give a shit. And I'm hitting him back. He didn't give a shit. And just killing each other. And then he hit me with a chair at the end. But he hit me, if you watch the tape, he hits me with the chair the other way. Ooh. So the ass part didn't hit me in the back, like the, the, the upside-down side yeah. was hitting me. And he said it because it makes a louder sound. Well, I don't give a fuck. That, that hurt like a bitch. Three shots. I had like, the, the, like, the, I had like six lines yeah. you know, uh, on my back going horizontally and vertically um, from the rims of the chair. But uh, it was awesome as much as it sucked. Like this is fucking great because people are into it. It's just for those again. You, you get the adrenaline kicking in. 
and it kind of just, you know, you kind of put it off for a little while. Until the next morning you wake up and you're like, I can't fucking move. Can't get up. Yeah. Some of yeah. the more um, newsworthy things around that time, you know, coming up later in the year and to the beginning of 97 was ECW was getting on pay-per-view, uh, appearing on WWF television. And, and uh, yeah. during the one ECW invasion of Raw, you actually had a match with Taz. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that came about and how, um, how it felt to be on Monday Night Raw back then in uh, the midst of the Monday Night Wars? It was good. I was hurt. Like both my knees were totally blown out. Like I, I could barely, I could barely move. And it was going to be Spike against Taz. But we already had the Dudleys. It was something else, I think. And they didn't want more Dudleys, so they they used me. And I, I could barely walk. It was like really just like, it was not a fun experience. I mean, it was cool out there, being out there, you know, getting to all the events and stuff like that, and being on you know live TV. But uh, it was painfully. Shitty. Now, did you ever believe that ECW was going to reach pay-per-view? Because around that time through 96, uh, it, it would be scheduled and then it would be taken off the schedule or it would be rumored and then the, the rumors would kind of dissipate for a while. Did you ever think that ECW was going to reach that pinnacle or did you think it was just talk? Uh, we, we, we thought it was real and then, like like you mentioned, all the excuses kept coming up. Like, this is not going to fucking happen. This is just, this is just Paulie being Paul. And, uh, you know, when he finally announced it in January, I was like, holy shit, we're going to fucking be on pay-per-view. And even then, even then from January till April, when the pay-per-view was, it was one of those, well, it's canceled now. And, oh, now it's, now it's back on. And, oh, God, we're about to get canceled. And, oh, my God, they're not going to put us on. It's like, oh, my God. So until actually it was, it was on and it was over, <laughs> nobody believed it. Were you at the show in Massachusetts for the uh, Arakulas uh, mass transit incident, as they call it now? Yeah, I was there for that. Yeah, what were your memories of uh, of that? Did you were you were you around uh, for the for the after uh, after the match or anything like that when he was brought back to the curtain? Oh yeah, I was, I was there from the beginning Yikes. to from the end. Uh, it was one of those. Uh, I think the, the guy passed away. I think didn't he? Yeah, I, I think it wasn't. It was sometime into the two thousands. It was it was probably a decade ago or so now. Yeah. I think he passed away, yeah. but not to speak ill of the guy, but he was a dick. Comes into the locker room like he owns the fucking place, smoking cigarettes in everybody's face, mm. and just being kind of overall, just being, you know, acting like a hotshot. Right. You know what I mean? And not to say he deserved what happened to him. Sure. Um, you know, but if he was in a regular match, I could see somebody, you know, kicking his ass, you know, laying in a little bit and saying, it's better. You're gonna fucking earn your stripes around here. You're not gonna come in like a fucking big shot, especially if you're not a big shot. You know. Now, did, did he deserve? You know, did they bleed to death? No, probably not. Did, so, um, but yeah, it was a very, it was a very chaotic situation there. Was the feeling in the locker room that this was gonna harm East W, or did it just seem like, well, this is another crazy show. It's probably gonna blow over, or was there kind of some fear for the future? Uh, at first, we thought it was just one of those. Uh, you know, all right, oh, he's going to hospital and, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Um, but then actually kind of, you know, charges would be impressed against him and then, you know, New Jack would, you know, all this shit. And I'm like, oh, now we're fucked. And, and again, one of those, okay, well, now we're fucked. Right. It, was, it was nice while it lasted. But, yeah, that, that blew over too. It's almost like anything in wrestling can get blown over. You know what I mean? It's like if you it's wait long enough, of. it gets blown over. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. 
It's pretty fucked up if you think about it. <laughs> it is. Uh, around that the time, the guy I, I didn't there killed somebody. If I wait a little while, it'll blow over. Yeah, they'll bring me back in. Just give it six months. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that in real life? Right. I didn't there kill my neighbor. Well, I will give it a couple weeks. It'll blow over. Yeah, or um, you know, get into a fight with a boss and uh, tell him to go fuck himself, and then, well, you know, if I give it six months, uh, he'll probably it'll blow over. He'll bring back him with a raise, you know. Exactly. Yeah, brought back for more money. So around that time, uh, you know, once after the pay per views uh, start started kicking, and um, Just Incredible came in, and uh, you guys had a pretty memorable feud. And actually, um, yeah. if, if you know, to pat you on the back there, I, I would give you credit for for getting Justin over to the point where the crowd could could forget about Adam Montoya. You know, when he first came in, they chanted that at him a lot, and it seemed like um, yeah. the angle and everything where he injured you kind of gave him credibility. Um, how was it working with Justin, and uh, what are your memories of that feud? Oh, so easy. Peach was so easy. Like, I actually worked with him, like, about two years ago, mm-hmm. and, it was, like, nothing changed. <laughs> easy. His shit was still the same. Very easy to follow. You know, it was just, he's one of the guys we just clicked. You know what I mean? He's one of those, we have to call anything, just go out there and just and just work. Yeah. And he was so good. He knew, he, he had the natural instincts, you know, as a heel. Which, if you know Peach, he's, like, the nicest guy in the world. So for him to be a heel was like a stretch. Kind of like me being like a goofy little, like, uh, you know, whiny mom's boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two complete fucking opposites. But uh, just working, we, I mean, we clicked. I mean, we got along great. We traveled together, too. So it was one of those, hey, buddy, let's, let's go out there, roll up to the building, work, go have a couple of drinks, some other things, and, and uh, you know, let's do it again. But it was awesome, working with Peach. Because he was always he was always fucking nervous too. Like, oh my god, this ECW, and I, I'm up for this fucking stupid jock strap on my head, and blah blah. And I was like, Pete, you'll be right. You'll you'll get it. Just put on good matches. Don't forget. Yep. Again, and like you said, eventually they forgot. Time passes, and uh, every everybody forgets. You know, <laughs> once again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See. Kane, Kane was a dentist. Fuck. He was a dentist. Uh, he was a fake Diesel. You know, but hey, that never happened. Yeah. There you go. Now, late, later in uh, in 98 is when, um, you know, the rumors started to fly that you were talking to WCW, and sure enough, you debuted the following year at uh, WCW Uncensored. Um, how did you wind up getting in contact with WCW? What, le- what led to you uh, either reaching out to them or them reaching out to you? Uh, they kind of reached out to me. It was one of those, you know, uh, had some friends over there. And like, hey, they want to like a, 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 a hardcore cruiserweight type guy to come do some stuff with Kidman. And I said, Okay, and then they offered him some decent money, so I said, well, uh, fuck, I'll go. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, if that's the offer, I said, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in ECW, checks are bouncing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of getting to the point where it's, you know, when you're, you know, ten, eleven thousand $11,000 in the hole, you know, over months and months and not getting paid. And then, you you know, you get an offer over six figures. And I was like, well, and they were kind of, they were doing well at the time. No, it was on the downward trend over there. A little. Uh... They hadn't jumped the shark yet. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Right after I signed, they did that uh, the uh, Hogan and it was supposed to be Kevin Nash against Goldberg in the Georgia Dome or something. Oh, the finger poke. The finger poke, yeah. yeah. Like right after I signed, I think they did like the finger poke. Yeah. And I'm like, that was the worst thing ever. They just killed the territory. <laughs> I'm going, man, I'm signing for three years. Great. <laughs> how are you? Uh, how are you physically at yeah. that time? Had, had you ever had had a chance to heal up? Because you'd mentioned earlier you were having problems with your knees and stuff. Had you ever had a chance to to really heal up, or was was the ECW schedule, you know, were you were you able to to get time to heal? 
Uh, I healed a little bit. I was off for three months. I think it was like three months. I was off. So, you know, I, I was thinking, I said, well, I'll take some time, you know, uh, you know, I'll see if I, you know, depending when they bring me in, I said, you know, I can use time to, you know, get in the gym, get in shape because I hate working out. Absolutely fucking hate it. Right. It's, that is not my thing. You know, some guys love it. I just, I just fucking hate it. And, uh, but kind of by the time my body started to feel real good, I'm like, okay, this is good. They haven't called me yet. I can probably start to get in the gym a little bit. And that's what, that's what they called me. To work Kidman. They gave, they gave me like two days notice. Yeah. Hey, you're going to work at Kidman uh, on Sunday. I'm like, it's, uh, it's Friday, it's Thursday. Because yeah, you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, uh, at the time we have, uh, you know, paper tickets for the, for the airplane. But okay, you know, well, your tickets will be there tomorrow. I'm like, okay. Yeah, so uh, on Friday I got my travel, and then uh, was it flew into where the fuck it was Louisville, I think. Uh, on Saturday, I was all fucking nervous because they had like a, a pay per view meeting like the day before. Yeah, at like five o'clock, and uh, my flight my flight was like my connecting flight was like, so I didn't get into like ten thirty, and I'm calling like Jimmy Hart and like Paul Hondorf and all the agents saying, hey, I'm I'm all fucking nervous. I'm not going to make this fucking pay per view meeting, and then. Uh, you know, I saw uh, EDP the next day. He's like, bro, don't worry about the fucking meeting. So he goes anyway. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't even know why they had him. But it was mandatory that everybody went to these uh, these meetings the uh, day before the pay-per-view. It's kind of funny. when, you, okay. like, As a fan, you think about it. And I, I, I do remember that, that it was real short notice, that it was like, hey, Sunday, Whitbrook against Kidman. And it was like the fans didn't know until maybe like that Thursday on Thunder. And uh, lo and behold, yeah, had, we don't know that you're that's just what, finding that's out, what, too. That's what I found out. <laughs> you know, I was like, what the fuck? Guys? This place is fucked up. <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You know, it was just one of those things, you know, and you used to have to, there was like a hotline you had to call on, uh, I think they updated on Friday. Uh, it was like an 800 number, and you'd call us and here is the talent list for Monday Nitro uh, for, you know, Monday, March, whatever, 2000 and whatever city in the building. And they go through the list of everybody. That's a long list. Lenny, Lenny Lane, Lodi, Medusa, and he's go through the whole list, and they'd listen for your name. So if you didn't hear your name, he said, okay, I'm good. And then you didn't have to worry about it. You weren't getting any fights. But you had to call and find out if you were booked or not. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and for every uh, for every Nitro and Thunder, that's what it was. And I would fucking call every week, and I, w I was never fucking listed as anyone. All right. So, and then you get the booking sheets. They give you uh, once a month uh, when you got your check. 
Um, they give you the booking sheet for all the house shows. Yeah. Well, all the shows, but have the talent list. It had the lineup for all the house shows. And so you'd see, like, you know, you'd see all like, the top guys in the house shows. Like, you know, oh, in Cedar Rapids, Kevin Nash versus this guy. These guys aren't going to fucking show up. <laughs> Again with Iowa. But yeah, but it's, yeah, you get the booking sheet. Yeah, you get the booking sheet once a month. Had the lineup for the house shows. And you could see if you were booked anywhere. And then, uh, yeah, I think you have to call in for the for the uh, pay-per-view Nitros and Thunders. That uh, the Uncensored debuted had a real, you know, like it had an ECW kind of flavor because there you were opening the card with Kidman, and then later on Raven and Salmon and Bam Bam had a had a three-way hardcore match. So uh, it seemed like they were trying yeah. to bring ECW fans in at that time. Uh, but I mean, I'm not the first one to say it. I won't be the last one to say it. I mean, you had a really great match that night, and it seemed like. Wow, like they're gonna they're gonna do something like this is pretty cool. Like it looked like the beginning of a feud or maybe or something like that. And you and Kevin had a great opener, and then we didn't see you again for about a month. Yeah. So, <laughs> what um what are your memories of the yeah, match? Yeah, and, and then you know you know did you hear anything afterwards? Like hey, we're gonna we're gonna go forward this or was it just like uh, you know you didn't hear anything? I heard nothing. Oh it was one of those. It was funny too because when I, we get to the building and uh, Kidman had been down in. I don't know, one of those spring break places. They had him down there. Yeah. And he just got back, and he's like, oh, I feel so fat. I'm going, well, you next to me, you feel all, you look all right. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, I was just down, you know, down there all fucking week. You know, parties and everything else. I was like, oh, cool. And, uh, you know, Arn Anderson comes in and goes, okay, Mikey, um, you're up with your finish in 15 minutes. I'm going, fuck, I'm getting the belt. Cool. And then Dusty comes over, Mikey Baby. Keeping up with the new stars, like, okay, he's going up, very good. And then Jimmy Hart comes in, says, okay, Mikey, in eight minutes, uh, you're, you're up with your finish. He's like, okay. And then uh, Paul Underwood comes over and says, Mikey, you're uh, <laughs> you're, you're doing the job in uh, you know seven minutes. Yeah, okay. And then uh, and then Arnaz goes over again. Oh, Mikey, be fucked up. He goes, uh, you know, uh, put him in fifteen minutes, but uh, you know, cheat. You know, some kind of uh, you know. Cradle or something cheap. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm like, what the fuck do we do? And Kevin goes, let's just put the match together. He goes, you know what we do? The last thing we hear before we go out there is what we do. I said, okay. And then finally, Arn Anderson came over and goes, okay, Kevin, you're up with your finish. 15 minutes. But then we went to the curtain. I had no music. The Bernie Squad. I remember that. But I'm, I'm yeah. like, again, like, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where I remember. That's actually... that's yeah, I had no idea what to do because I had, I've never been a heel before. I never fucking been on WCW TV before and I had to come out with no music. I'm going, this is not good. <laughs> and then, um, you but know, yeah, but and the match was good. The match was good. Yeah. I get back and everybody loved it. Arn Anderson loved it. And, uh, I remember, uh, I saw Kurt Henning before the show and I went to say hello, introduce myself and he blew me off and I was fucking devastated because I was a huge Mr. Perfect fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going, oh, that fucking sucks. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I come back to the curtain. Uh, you know, so you know, Arn Anderson's like, my kid, that was fucking great, kid. You did your fucking thing. Kidman loved it. He's like, oh, Mikey, thanks. You know, you you carried me out there because I was blowing up. I said, no, I mean, everything's fun, cool, thanks. And then uh, Kurt Hennig comes over. It was hand up. Kurt Hennig, it's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Oh, nice. I'm like, holy shit. And he goes, uh, you know, he goes, I apologize for blowing you off before. He goes, I just thought you were some other fucking. Idiot they're gonna bring in that couldn't work. I'm like, oh well, thanks. He goes, he goes, you can work, kid. I said, oh, thank you, Kurt. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, but what? But it turns out I got buried because uh, Virgil was pissed and went and bitched because his match had to follow mine. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. I guess him and Stevie Ray for the, for the Battle of the NWO, whatever version. The, I remember that. Yeah, the black and white and, uh, thing, yeah. Yeah. Nobody cared about his match, and he blamed me. Well, I, now, on behalf of the fans everywhere, I want to thank you for uh, them having to shave some time off of that match. So we, it's much appreciated. <laughs> if I knew that, I would have went long. <laughs> if I knew I was fucked anyway, I would have went long. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a good point. But, uh, yeah, but no, after that, it was over. I said, okay. I said, and they're like, well, well, tomorrow at Nitro, you're going to go out there. You're going to, um, Kidman's going to wrestle Ray, and you're going to fuck, you know, uh, Kidman out of the belt, and you're going to go, like, shake Ray's hand, and you'll fucking take Ray out. You know, it was like a little three-way type of deal between the three of you guys. Yeah. Then okay, cool. You know, and then uh, I hurt my ankle. I dived off the top rope in that match. I had like a heel bruise. I really couldn't walk too good. I said, I can do it. I said, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, you know, I'll do what I have to do, if you know what I mean, to right. get through there now. I'll do what I have to do. I said, no, 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 don't worry about it. And then that was it. So now I got buried and everything else, and I never did shit after that. I wrestled Scotty Riggs on a pay-per-view for no reason. Yeah, I remember I remember thinking at that time, I was like, what kind of special contract does Mikey have? The only time I get to see him is if I watch these pay-per-views. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really... I, I did I did the... Uh, the Uncentered as a heel. And then I sat home for a month. And it was another last-minute fucking deal where, where they called me. Uh, and that was a fucking rib, too. And they called me uh, to do... I wonder when it was in Seattle, the one. And I said, I said, okay, I'm, I'm wrestling Scotty Riggs now as a babyface. Haven't been on TV since being the heel. And wrestling Scotty Riggs, who's coming back as a heel with a new gimmick. I go, this makes perfect sense. This was, this was, this was well thought out, guys. Yeah, and it was he was doing like. But a, they fucked me because. Go ahead. Yeah, he came out with the mirror, yeah, I guess, or something. Him, I don't know. Yeah, the narcissist <laughs> kind of thing, or Rick Rude, or something like that. I don't, yeah, I don't fucking know what it was. It was just really, really weird. And then I remember I, I was booked last minute for the pay-per-view. I said, okay. So I uh, I wasn't booked on Nitro, right? I said, okay, I'm not booked on Nitro. I said, I know, and I'm not booked the rest of the week. I wasn't booked for the, the house show. For, I wasn't booked on Nitro Monday. I wasn't booked on the TVs Tuesday. They did a house show on Wednesdays, and then Thursday they would do Thunder. They two weeks of thunder. So I said, okay, well, I'm not booked on Nitro. I said, and I'm not booked the rest of the week. I said, I'm going home. So I went home. Now, mind you, this is really the day before, you know, uh, everything to cell phones. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I land. By the time I get home, I land. I check my cell phone. And I and it's an innocent phone. Mikey, you've been added to the, the Saturday night tapings, Tuesday in fucking wherever, in fucking California or some shit. Ugh. You gotta be fucking kidding me. So I land just in time to fly back out. Right? So I do the TV tapings. I see Kevin Nash. And I said, what's it Kevin or Arn Anderson? One of the two. I said, hey, I'm not, I know I'm not on the house show tomorrow. I said, am I booked for Thunder? They're like, they look, they go, no, you're not booked on Thunder. I said, okay, thanks. <laughs> so I did the Tuesday night tapings. And I, I fly home. Only to be told, hey, You've been asked to thunder taping uh, somewhere in fucking California. I go, you motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, so that was that. A lot of flying, a lot of unnecessary and then, and flying. Then, oh, back and forth, and they spent money on these tickets because these, these tickets they bought at the last minute. Oh. You know, is this a fucking rib? Like I thought, okay, they had these tickets, but they just they just working me. No, these tickets were purchased like the day before, so it wasn't like a you know your tickets will be waiting for you at the airport. 
I look at the purchase data and go, like, when did they buy these tickets? Like, oh, this, this morning. Jesus Christ. You know, I'm looking at these tickets, you know, like $800, $1,000. Yeah. You know, one of them, it was business class because there were no regular seats left. I was like, these, these people are fucked up. So I'm thinking if I probably would have stayed home and not gone, it wouldn't have been a big deal. Right. <laughs> if I wouldn't have noticed. And then from there, like like we mentioned, you did some pay-per-views, you did some TVs, and uh, I mean, the the run just kind of ended. What was, was that a, a mutual deal, or did they let you go, or did you go to them kind of say, hey, well, this isn't really going anywhere? I mean, how'd you wind up leaving WCW? I kind of quit. I kind of, I watched, I watched them put the belt on Evan Courageous. Oh, yeah. The Cruiserweight belt on Evan Courageous, so I said, that's it. I called Taz. I think I called Taz. Because uh, ECW was in, in Queens. And I said, hey, I I quit. I already quit. So, you know, can you, can you talk to Paul for me? If not, I don't care. I'm, I quit anyway. And then, you know, it's one of those, you know, went back and forth, and then Paul and I finally hooked up at like four in the morning, you know, three in the morning, four in the morning for, we talked like two hours on the phone. Uh, and then I came back. It was one of those, it's like, I'm like, they just pushed Evan Courageous. And I said to Jimmy Hart actually the week before, because Evan was terrible. He was, he was the fucking shits. You know, and I said, I said, Jimmy, if I were to get abs, get a tan, and fuck up every spot, when I get a push, you get a, you get a big push, baby. <laughs> Jesus fuck. So yeah, I said okay. I see what it's, I see how it is. And then, uh, then they put the cruiserweight belt on him. I said that's it. I just I can't take it. There used to be a quote. Go back to ECW. I, I think it was attributed to Arn Anderson, where Arn would be in segments on Nitro and Thunder, and the ratings would go up, and he would come back and go, well, I guess I'm going to get fired, because uh, <laughs> every time I'm on TV, the ratings go yeah. up. And, uh, or I guess they're going to take me off TV now. Yeah, it was a really... You've heard the stories. It was a really fucked up place. How was the um, how was return in ECW? I mean, you had a great comeback run there. The team with Tajiri was, you know, you know, memorable to this day. It was a great tag team. You guys had some great matches with the FBI, among other teams. But how did it feel to come back? Uh, now the company was on TNN, and there were some, some differences um, as far as places that they that ECW was going to wrestle. How was, how was the return? Uh, it was cool. It was, you, know, it was, you know, Paul told me, he goes, I have to bury you on the way back in. He goes, you know, I have to kind of, like, receipt you. You know, I can't give you a push right away. You'll pitch everybody off. I go, who? He goes, well, nobody really. I just, I just can't do it. Have to. Okay. So, but I came back and he wanted me, you know, I woke up Mike Austin the first night and took a couple bumps I didn't want to take. Yeah. But I just knew that. I'm like, God, here we go. <laughs> this didn't take long. Injuries are going to rack up already. Uh, and he goes, can you take this bump? I said, well, fuck, I can take anything once. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, so it was one of those, yeah, it was, it was a rough night and I bruised my kidney. Uh, I was put some blood for like a week. But uh, that's it. But it, but it was fun. You know, I get to actually, um, you know, get to work with Scott and with Raven a little bit yeah. and uh, Jim Mitchell. And that was just fucking fun because I got to lo- loosen up a little bit and kind of just be like a little more goofy. Kind of like myself. A little more goofy and crazy and not really give a fuck. You know, I stopped wearing gear. I started wearing like leggings and like fucking just shorts and shit. But fuck it, I'm going to wear. And uh, it's just cool and it just morphed in the team with the Jerry thing. And Paulie said, I think he said he saw us. We worked a match in Philly, and he kind of just, did you know how one of those, like, we did, like, we did, like, a stare down for, yeah. like, no reason. I think the jury had, like, a wrench in his mouth or some shit. And we had the match, no big deal. And we get back, Paul goes, dude, him and my new tag team champions. I go, what are you talking about? Did you feel that chemistry? I go, what chemistry? 
you and him. I go, I don't, we got a match. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, whatever you say. And yeah, every take keyboard great. I'll call that one too. With the uh, with the character change, with um, you know, you went a little bit crazier and had the the dyed hair, and and like you said, wound up with uh, Jim Mitchell, the the sinister minister. Was that just a yeah. kind of an organic change, or was that something that Paul had planned from the time he came back? It was kind of, well, it was kind of organic. Kind of Scotty had the idea, and I mean, this, this is a whole huge backstory. I mean, you could go look it up, but uh, Vandy was supposed to be a take on Dr. Eugene Landy, who was like a psychiatrist who people believe manipulated and got under the, in the head, right. uh, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys. Oh, the Beach yeah. Boys. Okay, like the movie. So right. That, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's where Vandy was going to go with me. And he's going to like, like with, with Raven and everything else, it would be like one of those deals. Um, but this guy left and then <laughs> we said, fuck it, let's just go crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we just did whatever. We would just, we would finish our matches and we would just get really, really drunk and think of the most ridiculous promos we could come up with. And that's just what we did. Yeah, there were some great ones. I remember uh, one where you guys were on the beach and I think you were getting, uh, he, he had you buried in the sand and the tide kept coming in closer or something like that at the end of it. That was a great one. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were drunk one night, like two weeks before that. And we, talk, we were talking about um, uh, Creep Show, the movie. Yes. And then what episode with Leslie Nielsen and, uh, Ted Danson, where where they they he buried a couple in the sand, like miles apart, and uh, they could watch each other on a video camera uh, through a TV that was on the beach, mm-hmm. and they watch each other each other drown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's where that one came from, and just it's just it's really weird shit. Like we, we did a promo on like a boat, it was like a boat in the parking lot. <laughs> we did a promo there, and I did another where I had like a giant R two D two head. <laughs> that I had and I put like. Stickers of ECW Anderson's head for like no reason, just like weird, like whatever, whatever would pop up. So like we we just try to pop the boys, and the boys popped the great. Oh, we're gonna do it. Were you there when uh, he had his uh, incident with the uh, with the pyrotechnics? Yeah, Eesh. right next to him. Yikes. He he was. <laughs> we're sitting. In, he used to have this. Um, Magicians use it to shoot fireballs out of their hands. It's, it's it was like a little copper pipe with two, uh, like a double A battery, two double A batteries, and uh, like a button. And when you press the button, it would, it would connect the two wires and the batteries. It would heat up, and it would, it would light the flash paper that was in this copper tube. And basically, it would, you know, the, the energy would just shoot the flash, the flash paper out of the, out of the, the copper tube. Mm-hmm. And, you know, shoot a fireball across the room. He goes, oh, Mikey, I'm going to make a chic gimmick. I said, what? He goes, I'm a chic. Because, you know, Sebu's uncle was chic with some fireballs everywhere. Yeah. So he goes, so he's going to make a huge fireball. Now, you're supposed to use on an eight and a half inch by 11 sheet of paper, one eighth of the paper. And he takes his whole sheet of paper, starts crumpling it up, and he can't get it in this little tube. So he goes into his bag, he gets out his toothbrush. He starts jamming it in with a toothbrush. Well, I guess as he's jamming it in, his finger hit the button. And lit it. So because he had the toothbrush in one end and lit the other end, he basically made a pipe bomb. Yeah. And the thing just blew up in his hand. And it was fucking, it was loud. And it was fucking nasty. You look down and he looks down and you're, bam! What the fuck? You know, and next thing, and like, 
you see blood just pouring out of his hand, like a giant hole in his hand, oh. and blood is just pouring out of his hand. So he grabs his wrist, and he's like, oh, Mike. He goes, ah, oh, Mikey, this is not good. I'm going, fuck, this is not good. Yeah. And we, we walk into the bathroom, and he's running his hand under the sink. And we both look up into the, into the mirror at the sink, and look at me. I look like, ah, uh, like I got sprayed in blood. It's like you ever see those movies where, where you know, somebody gets their head chopped off yeah, and, like and the blood splatters all over them? Yeah. This, this is what I look like. I'm like, my face is covered in blood splatters and everything else. I go, oh. And then he stops. She just looks and goes, ah, Mikey, you seem to have a bit of my finger hanging on the bridge of your nose. I look in the mirror and there's like skin, like his parts of his, his thumb on my nose. I'm like, oh, God, disgusting. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. That is unbelievable. I knew he'd be all right because later I called him that, late, that night at the hospital. And he asked me to bring him a beer and a Burger King cup. Nice. So, so I knew he'd be all right. Well, surely thereafter uh, is when, you know, everything went kind of crazy in wrestling. WCW was bought, and uh, ECW had their final pay-per-view in uh, January and then closed down. Um, you know, you mentioned um, before you left for WCW, you know some... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Issues with checks and things like that. And I guess it was happening towards the end of ECW as well. And you know, a lot of the guys that I've talked to said, of course, that they saw it coming. I can only imagine you'll say the same, but, you know, of course, did you see the closure uh, coming, you know, down the road? You could see it coming. Once there was no, there were no events. We weren't on TV. There was nothing going on. Yeah, well, this is the end of this. And I guess, I guess it's time to, you know, start working in the Indies, which I never really did. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't have that. I didn't work for anybody, really. So it's not like I said, oh, you know, go call my old promoters. I didn't really have anybody. Right. But uh, you could definitely see it. You could definitely see it coming. You know, and you talk to Paul. Paul would call you and be like, don't worry, we're doing this, this, and this, and we're doing this. I said, okay. You know, in the meantime, I'm sitting home not getting paid. Yeah. Did, um, but you, you can kind of see it coming. Were you ever, because a lot of the guys came in afterwards, Spike came in and, and little Guido eventually down the road. Um, and you seemed to, throughout the years to have had a pretty good relationship with, with WWE. Was there ever a time after you said yeah. you closed it, they were going to bring you in as a wrestler? Uh, we were talking about it. It was one of those things where I was like, eh, you know, we're going to part of this. But, you know, I never asked. You know what I mean? It was one of those, if, if I, hey, come bring me in. I, I had enough friends there. I probably could have got brought in. But my body was beat to shit. You know, I, I wasn't cosmetically what they like. You know, it was kind of one of those, uh, I don't think I could keep up. If it was, you know, if it was TV, you know, pay-per-view and TV, back-to-back, I could probably do it. But, you know, with, you know, with house shows, you know, four nights a week and then, you know, you know, pay-per-view and then TV on Monday, like, and, you know, back on Tuesday, I said, there's, there's no fucking way. My body would last about a week. <laughs> that would be the end of that. So it was one of those just never really happened. You worked at uh, Ring of Honor at the beginning a little bit there. What did, you, what did you think of the promotion at that time? Did you think it was going to stick around or did you think it was kind of, you know, like a niche thing maybe they'd have a few shows and, or, or you know, what did you think of the future for Ring of Honor back then? I thought it was good. I thought it was like a niche thing. I guess it's still kind of like a niche thing. I guess you think about it. But, uh, 
you know, with Gabe there, and, and they had, a, you know, and Doug and, and Rob, they all had a good, good mind for the business, you know what I mean? And they knew what, you know, they knew what was good and what people wanted to see. You know, so it was, it was, it was fun. For me, it, it wasn't very fun from a creative standpoint because they put me with uh, all the young kids. Right. And I got like a rave at gimmick. And me, I like to go sit at the bar, drink my alcohol, and chill. Yeah. You know, I'll find like the local, like the local dive, you know what I mean, with, with heavy metal, hard rock music playing, and sit there. That, that's my type of deal. And I like to sit in the corner by myself with a couple of friends. Right. They put me with all the young kids that look like they're 12 years old. I, I look like Arnold the Giant next to these guys. You know, all great kids, you know what I mean? But it was one of those. And they do like the rave gimmick with the with the glow sticks and the fucking weird techno music and the fucking weird spacey shit. Yeah. They go, I, I took Joey Matthews' spot, Joey Mercury. He was there. He, he went to, he went, he got signed and he left. So they brought me in. I go, I can't fucking relate to this because I don't know anything about this. You know, Joey was more on the cool side. You know, he was you know, younger than I was a little bit. And he kind of, that was his type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, clubbing. For me, I was like, I don't, I don't fucking, I can't relate to any of this. <laughs> so creatively, it wasn't very fun for me. And I just really, I'm like, ah. I said, okay, I'm, I, I'm not coming back. I said, thank you. I said, but this is not for me. <laughs> if you have something else for me to do, maybe I would. But this, this type of character. It's not something I can, you know, I can make the Mikey whiny crybaby thing work. This I can't work because I can't relate to this at all. That just didn't work. But the matches there, I mean, everybody's having great matches. They have like those scramble matches. Yeah, yeah. Which were just fucking spot fest with, you know, Amazing Red and some of my guys and the, and the Special K guys. I think, uh, uh, who else was there? Backseat Boys, I guess, were there too. Yeah. I guess. Uh, Jay Lethal you know, was It was cool. Them. You know, they had, yeah, Jay Lethal was there. He's, yeah. He was, well, he's one of the special rave kid guys, and yeah. he's far from a rave kid too, you know. But uh, that was cool, and they had, you know, they had the, the technical wrestling. They had like Brian Danielson and Loki and all them there. I said, man, this really good fucking shows, really good matches. But just uh, creatively for me, it wasn't my cup of tea. They never really had me in. So you made an that's uh, all. you made an appearance in TNA around that time. You know, another one of the promotions that was starting up came in as a mystery partner for the Sandman and. Got in there and had a tag match. CM Punk was involved and Julio De Niro. Uh, what was your memories of uh, taking the trip down to TNA at that time and teaming up with uh, your old buddy, the Sandman? I didn't want to go. I didn't, they they must have called me like four times. Every time they called me, they offered me more money. I was like, I don't want to. But, oh, okay, we'll pay this. I said, no, thanks. Said, Come on, we'll pay you this. No, thanks. And, and the call, I said, okay, I, 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 okay, I'll do it. You know, it got to the point where I was like, well, now I feel like I'm being dumb. They're not taking this money. And, uh, you know, it's one of those, I got there late. Um, I felt like I kept it down in New York. And I got there late. And by the time I got there, everything was planned out already. Those hacks, oh, Mikey, do this, this, and they crash and burn. But okay. So I did it. It was cool. And then, uh, so Bob, you know, Jim Charles like, hey, Mikey, that's coming. Oh, thanks, Jeff. And I saw Bob Barry goes, oh, Mikey, thanks. Would you think of coming back? And I said, no. <laughs> Kind of like a heel. I, mean, I was trying to be mean, but I was just being honest. I said, uh, no, no, no. Well, thanks. And then, uh, you know, years later when they finally, they, they did their uh, hardcore justice, their their version of ECW One Night Stand, you didn't come down for that either. Um, talk about that a little bit, because a lot of the guys uh, 
did, you know, show up, and then you know some of the guys that we had been used to seeing at the reunions didn't, and you were one of those faces. How come you didn't come down for the uh, Hardcore Justice reunion back in 2010? Uh, I wasn't feeling it. Yeah, you know, Tommy called me up. He's like, "Hey, you know, I said Tommy, I'm I'm going to pass on this." I said, "You know, I, you know, I know you're booking it." I said, "Don't be mad." I said, "But it's just, I don't know, it's not just something I want to do." And you know, it's just, you know, you guys who do it for the money for the booking. I said, "Absolutely, I don't blame them." See, but I kind of. Unless it's, you know, authentic-ish ECW, which I guess would kind of be like WWE doing it, or, you know, with, with Paul or, and him in, like, a different atmosphere. Yeah. But for TNA to do it, it was kind of like, eh, for what? Like, you know, what am I going to do? But I'll go there, I'll see some guys hang out and have fun. But it's just, I wasn't feeling it. My heart didn't feel into it. So I told him, I said, Tommy, I'm sorry. I said, you know, I hope, hope it cool. goes, now, Mikey, friends first, man. You know, you, you do what you want to do. Thanks, bud. And that was it. You know, that's why Tommy, I was right along with Tommy because Tommy's very, you know, we're, we're friends. And like business-wise, if I tell him I don't like something or whatever, you know, it, it's not a big deal. Like he doesn't call me all the time for his house of hardcore shows. You know, every now, every now and then he'll call me. And, you know, if I'm available, I'll go. I did two of them, you know. And he, he you know, he, he asked me if I could do the one when Tajiri was in. as like a run-in. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I had shit going on. I said, ah, Tommy, just, you know, I actually didn't get back to him until after the show was over. I said, hey, Tom, I saw I had stuff going on. I couldn't, uh, you know. He said, oh, no, no hard feelings. No big deal. Said, okay. I said, maybe next time. And that's it. So, you know, I love Tommy. There's a lot more the There's a lot more I'd like to ask you and cover, but I've, I've kept you for quite quite a little while now. So I, I was just going to ask you a couple more questions, and then maybe you could come back for a part two in a few weeks or something like that. Sure, man. Okay. Um because obviously we didn't even get to cover, you know, the the guys that you've trained and stuff like that. And so, and I and I do want to talk about that. But like, since we have a little bit of time left here, uh, there was rumors in the past, you know, a couple of years that um you're going to be headed down NXT to take a trainer role. And I, I don't remember if the reports were for temporary or just to go in as a visiting instructor. Um, but how did that, how did all that go? I did. Did you wind up making an appearance down there and, and talking to the guys, or did that never happen? Uh, I think, you know, I, I trained so many people, you know what I mean? And they had a bunch, like, I think, uh, like Ryder was there, Kurt Hawkins was there, mm-hmm. uh, Plasma, what the hell they call Plasma? That was his fucking name. Uh, Trent Beretta was there. Trent Beretta, right. right. Um, I guess, you know, heard, yeah, they heard it guess about everybody else I trained, you know, Red and, you know, I helped Dom Marie and Trinity and all that stuff. So I was saying like, oh, you know, I said, well, nah, no, thanks. You know, because one of those, okay, I, because I, I'm up here in the Northeast, right? Yeah. I got a full-time gig, like, you know, I, I, you know, pension plan, all that fucking shit, you know, all that, you know, real life stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like, for me to just, I have my family's up here too, so for me to just uproot everybody, get down to Florida, for somebody to get mad or Vince to say, fuck it, and three months later say, okay, go, you're fired. Yeah. You know, for, for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't a risk. I was like, hey, you know what? We can uproot everything. It'd be cool to live in Florida there. You know, it keeps me busy all the fucking time. But it was like, ah, I don't think it's, uh, in the long run, I don't think it's a financially stable thing. So, it wasn't something that uh, I pursued. Right. Never did, never did the guest train thing or anything. It just hasn't happened. This is funny too, because I talked to guys and said, when are you going to come in and do like a, a guest training thing? I said, they don't ask. If they ask, maybe I do it. I said, but nobody's asked. Oh, so they're they're offer or the, the discussions rather were were about coming down there full time. Okay, I see, I see. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, you mentioned uh, Tommy Dreaming the House of Hardcore earlier. I was um, actually there uh, the last appearance that you made when they came out and uh, inducted you into the uh, the Hardcore Hall of Fame that night. Uh, talk about that. How about that? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, that was cool, man. That was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, that was real nice. Again, 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 old Tommy. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And Tommy always said, he goes, he, he, he was somebody goes, he goes, you are probably the person who gets overlooked the most. You, you never get the, the credit he says I deserve. He goes, you're so underrated as a worker. He goes, and, you know, you don't get, you know, what you deserve. So for him to do that, uh, you know, it was really, really nice. really meant a lot. Yeah, it was it was real cool, especially, you know, all the guys came out, and there was a, they had the video for you and everything like that. I thought it was a real, real special moment. It was real interesting, you know, not interesting, but it was real It was real cool to see. Yeah, it was great. I was like, yeah, it was cool. It's just to be in Philly. You know, I mean, it was one of those, okay, I could be done. You know what I mean? I don't have any desire to work anymore. Like, you know, I retired once, twice. I don't know what it was. <laughs> you know, but you, you didn't really retire in wrestling. Yeah. You know, as they say. It was kind of one of those, doing that and then doing that with Tommy, like right in that building, right where everything started. I kind of felt good. Like, you know, I don't need to fucking do this. You know, I don't have the bug anymore. Not to say I'll never do it. If, you know, if something comes along, that, that, that that'll be fun. Like, you know, Tajiri comes over, team with Tajiri, do something. That, that'd be cool. But for me, actually, you know, go out looking for bookings or anything else, it's, it's not something I need. So it's, it was great. It was, like a, it was like a perfect night for me. For recognition and for wrapping things up, it was great. Um, you know, being that you spent so much time in that building, you know, through the 90s and then up until ECW closed and then to return there, you know, for various promotions and then to be inducted into the, into the Hall of Fame at the end there. Um, how, how, what did you think of the building through all the changes it's been through throughout the year? How did, it, how did it feel for you to be there? Did it feel like it was the same place? Shit, no. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it was weird. When you drive it up, it kind of looks the same, kind of. You know what I mean? And you pull around the back into that little parking, you know, the little parking area under the, under the, under the uh, highway. Yes. I was like, okay, it's very normal. And then you go in, you go in the back door, and it's completely fucking different. Like, holy shit, it's like clean, and there's like stairs up the back or, that are completely where the stairs are not supposed to be. The stairs, the stairs are supposed to be to the, to the right. And you go up the Eagles Nest where Joey Styles used to be, that right. stage mm-hmm. up there. But this, and it's, it's all fucking weird and like really fucked up. And they you know the, the with the with the concession stand over there and yeah. the, the big little lobby down there and everything and you know like wow, and then I got in the ring, in the middle just sitting in the middle of the ring like it's like laying on the ground, and like looking up, you know, that's kind of started you know, looking up, yeah. <laughs> you know, laying on my back looking up. I said, I see, and when you look up at the strength of the ceiling, it looks exactly the fucking same. You know what I mean? Yeah. As cool as that sounds, it's like, yeah, I remember this. This is cool. And then you, you, then you start looking at normal and go, okay, everything's fucked up looking again. Right. But just laying in the middle of the ring and looking straight up at the ceiling, I was like, yeah, this is, I remember this. It's pretty cool. Well, listen, man, it was, it was really great talking to you. I appreciate uh, you giving me your time and appearing on the show. And like I said, I, w- I would like to reach out in a couple of weeks and have you back and, and ask all the questions that I missed tonight. But like I said, I don't want to I don't want to keep you any longer. So, uh, I, but uh, but I really do appreciate it. Um, is there any way uh, that, you know? Do you like uh, to have you know the fans follow you on Twitter? Do you have uh, one of those pro wrestling tea stores or anything like that that you like to promote? Nope, I have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't sell t-shirts. I don't I don't really do anything. Yeah. Um, there's like a Facebook page. I think it's like I don't even know what it is. Yeah. I don't really use it at all. 
um, you know, my email address there, you can email me, my group back at gmail.com. But, but that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. I don't really, uh, I don't sell stuff. I can just do my thing. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I'm, I'm like the anti-wrestler. Like, I just yeah. sell all the stuff and I sell everything and blah, blah, blah. I just, I mean, yeah, because no, when you look now, I'm just, that, I'm just me. that pro wrestling tea site has started with like five or six guys. Now there's like, you know, 150 or something like that. Like, everybody's got a store, you know? <laughs> Now it's like unless, unless you are a top guy, you're not gonna make money because you can't. You someone go, oh, I'm gonna go buy a Mikey shirt. And you go, oh fuck, look, Steve Austin my shirts too. Fuck Mikey. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know he, I mean? and, and he came oh. in, and he came in, and it was kind of like, oh great, Austin's got a pro wrestling tea store now. It's kind of like such a bummer, probably to the other guys that were on there and were making money. You know? Austin has one, Punk has one, so it's like okay, Jericho. you know. <laughs> you know, and then it's funny not to, not to make fun of it because I know what it's like to be like the low guy in the turtle pole, but I'm, I look at the thing, I so many people. Are, who the fuck is that? Who the fuck is that? Who the fuck is that? They go, man, who the fuck are these guys? And I said, I'm like, actually, they're probably making a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm out of touch. But I mean, I, like I said, don't, I appreciate don't they it have, much. Don't they, have like, don't they have like requirements? Like you have to have like so many Twitter followers or yeah, something? Yeah, I think it's like 5,000 or something like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. See, see, how, see, how far, see how far we've come? You right. can't sell t-shirts unless you have 5,000 Twitter, 5, followers. Twitter followers. <laughs> That I'm old. Yeah, I'm with you, brother. I'm <laughs> with you. All right, but thanks a lot for your time. Like, like I said, I will reach out, and in a couple of weeks we can have you back on. And, and, again, I appreciate your time very much tonight, man. Thanks, man. You have a good day. All right, brother. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, see you. And thank you to Mikey Whitbrick for coming on. I had a real good time talking to him, and hopefully we'll get him back on in a couple of weeks so I can uh, ask him a hell of a lot more questions that he's probably heard before but uh, didn't seem to have much of a problem answering. Also, thank you very much to ProWrestlingLoot.com. Again, if you want to go on there and do a monthly subscription, uh, it is use the code CREATIVE and you'll get yourself 10% off. Uh, coming up in the next week or so on Creative Control, uh, I will be attending the NXT show live in Philadelphia tonight at uh, the Tower Theater. So I will be doing a review of the show probably tomorrow. And then next week, uh, Monday or Tuesday, I will be releasing part two with Disco Inferno. And I will also be speaking with Fred Ottman sometime during next week. He was uh, Tugboat, he was Typhoon, he was the Shockmaster. You know, so you, I'm sure you all remember him from his WWF and WCW runs. Of course, that very memorable Shockmaster moment that he has kind of embraced now. And I know he's selling Shockmaster t-shirts and all that fun stuff. So that's what should be coming up on Creative Control uh, in the next week or so. So... I will see you all, or you will hear me tomorrow with my NXT review, and then the next week we'll have Disco Inferno and Fred Atman on. So, again, thank you very much to Mikey Whipwreck, and thank you very much to you all for listening.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.